OTB GAA. You don't just have a speech the Wednesday before a game. You go out and you rile up your team and go out and play the match with fire and brimstone. Now you analyse teams to death. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. We want to focus a little bit more on Division 2 and maybe some of the other trends that are coming out from the league so far. And I'm delighted to say Conal Gilligan is with us this morning. Conal, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you. Um, one of the things, Keen Johnson, uh, um, when we were chatting about this in advance, he pointed out that one of the criticisms that Derry get is that they're ultimately very reliant on a single individual in Shane McGuigan to get the scores. And he's making the point that while that may be true, what difference does it make if you have a high scorer? If you look at uh, Galway, nobody's saying um, they're too reliant on Shane Walsh. If you look at Kerry, nobody's going, Jesus, take Clifford out of that team and you're in a bit of trouble. So um, are, we, are we maybe misrepresenting the Derry scenario here by focusing on Shane, Givens, uh, Shane McGuigan's incredible propensity to deliver high scores? Yeah, I think you are. I think probably in previous years that has been the case. But I think Shane McGuigan's game has definitely evolved. He's playing a lot more of his football out around the 40-metre line, and that stops him from being easily marked in. And I think if you've seen over the last number of games where he hasn't been his best, there has been other players stepped up. And, you know, Niall Toner comes in with the goal, Niall Lachlan's been coming in with the goal. And, and especially last year, Derry didn't really have the ability to come off the bench. But, you know, again, Dublin, two of the subs came off the bench and scored. And when you were expecting Dublin's sub bench to add the difference, it was actually Derry who done that. I think uh, it's a trap I've fallen into a lot where I'm analysing this Derry team and charting their evolution against the evolution of the Donegal team and it's it's an easy it's an easy and maybe it's a lazy thing to do and yet it's very it's very interesting because like they're kind of on the same trajectory as that Donegal side where they nailed down exactly what their identity was going to be from a defensive uh, style of play they perfected that and as the time has gone on they're layering in levels of attacking threat and ability and just becoming better. Now, maybe that Donegal team had better better players. We'll see. And maybe their ceiling was slightly higher. But again, we'll see. If if I'm Derry, I'm relatively happy with the pace that the game is evolving. Yeah, well, I think when you go back to that Donegal team, uh, they had won a national league a couple of years previous to McGuinness and Gallagher coming in. So they had Michael Murphy, you know, they had so many good players. And, and I think Derry are actually a wee bit earlier in that and that some of their big players haven't just developed as quickly, you know. But when Connor Glass came back into the team, it gave them a midfield platform. And I think probably the fact that Shane McGuigan has now got a number of players to go on with them. And the one thing Rory Keller has been able to do is, is take in young players and bed them in straight away. And it's just been seamless. And I think the Dublin game for, I suppose, us, us Derry supporters, we were looking at as going to be the asset test in the league. And I don't actually think Derry played that badly in that first half in Dublin. But I think they played to the Division 2 level that they've been at. I think once Dublin opened up the gears and played better, I think it brought Derry to a new level. And I think Derry probably needed that. And, and moving into the Clare game this weekend, I think Derry have layered up on what they've done. Defensively, they've been the soundest in the league. They've scored heavy, albeit racking up some big scores against Kildare and against me. But I think they've showed a real ruthless streak because it would have been easy to take the foot of the gas, but they haven't done that. And I think they've put themselves in a serious position and, I suppose I didn't expect. I thought Derry may have had to come down to the last league game against Cork. And I think Derry will have it done this weekend. And it leaves that a, a division very interesting below them. Do you expect uh, kind of Derry and Mayo, the two teams at the top of the top two divisions, to be there, thereabouts, come the, the real business end of the All-Ireland this year? Yeah, well, look, I think Mayo um, have been very, very impressive. Um, I think probably the Conroy being back, um, Donoghue being back, 
you know, O'Shea going at full forward. I was at the RMI game and I thought he was brilliant that day. And I think probably had uh, Mio not taken him off that day, Mio probably would have got full points there in Armagh. But um, I think what they've done and they've added layers to play things, and you know, when Jack Kearney's come in and we've been looking at the likes of Kearney for the last number of years that he was going to come forward and now it looks like he's really stepped up. James Kiar, there's been so many options now for Mio um, that I think that while they haven't really been tested to the nth degree, I think they've showed enough that, you know, they're probably going down a league final. And I know in some of the podcasts and some of the media they've talked about teams not wanting to win the league. I'm not just so convinced about that because if you look at Kerry last year, they carried on their league form into the championship. And because I think it's Easter Sunday, the first round of the Connacht Championship, it comes very, very quick. Um, so I think teams can't buy form now. If you're not winning these games in the next week or two, you're going to be in really trouble come the, the provincial championships. And whether that matters or not, that's another question for the management. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a different scenario if Mayo are playing somebody who isn't Roscommon than if they're playing Roscommon twice in, in a week, essentially. You know, you would definitely want to win that game because they found it difficult to recover from not putting their full effort in last year, to your points. Yeah, look, and I think probably if it's not going to be Roscommon, and I don't think it is, I think Roscommon probably going to find the next couple of games sticky. You know, and when you look at it, you know, do Galway really want to push on? I definitely think Armagh would want to win that league. I think it would be a massive statement for, for Kieran McGinney's side after him being there seven years. Galway may not want it as much, but I think when you look at the league table, you know, Mayo's on eight, Roscommon, you know, is on six, Galway, Armagh. A lot of teams now in the middle of that have still a lot to play for because should Armagh happen to lose, they're then pulled into the relegation dogfight because, you know, Tarun Armagh is going to be on six points and then you're looking at head-to-heads and I think probably Division 1 at the bottom is going to be the title it's been for some time and, and I do expect a team on six points probably this season to be relegated. Who's that team going to be, Kenneth? Because you look at the game in Clonus this weekend, Monaghan Tyrone, it's, it's got relegation scrap written all over it. You'd, you'd imagine the loser of that game is in, is in serious trouble. And Monaghan on four yeah, points, I think Tyrone is it in three? Yeah, Tyrone's on four. Four, sorry. Monaghan's on four and Donegal's on three. And I think probably that game will be ultra final standard. The referee would need nine A's in that game just to keep it under wraps because you know I think familiarity breeds contempt and these teams have played each other every year in the league and, and they've always been really really tight games Tyrone don't want Armagh coming in the last game of the season with the possibility of relegating them you know whereas Mayo Monaghan I think travelled to Kerry on the last day away so there's a lot to be played for in this game because both teams could struggle on the last day um, I think Donegal probably are, are, are going to go down at this stage and I suppose the piece in the, the Irish Examiner this morning with Jim McGuinness probably heaps more pressure on, on a Donegal County board and, and team that, that really didn't need it. But I think it will be probably Tyrone to pick up that points. But I think, you know, the job that um, Monaghan have done this year, you know, Vinnie Corey and his brother Martin Hood, who, who's a, a fabulous coach in his own right, you know, I think they've done a really good job after a very difficult start. And I think there still will be a wee bit to play for there. This is really interesting because um, the Donegal story, by the way, everybody should check that out. McGuinness basically said that he was going to be part of the the backroom team if if Rory Gallagher and uh, Carl Lacey had got the job. But when they pulled out, he said he would still be available to help at least this year um, all the way up to the summer because they're at home at the moment and the county board never rang back. And he makes the point that um, it was really unfortunate that he was name-checked when he thought he was part of a confidential process by the county board, but he was name-checked. And the implication, as he saw it, was that he was unwilling to help. And actually, that's not the case. He is willing to help. And it looks like he's even willing to help the current management team if the offer was to be made. So we might come back to that story. But the whole notion of a team going down to Division 2 and benefiting from 
uh, a confidence booster into next season's Ulster Championship is it a disaster for Monaghan or Donegal if they were to go down and be the best team in Division 2 next year and to use that as a springboard for Ulster Championship stuff or at the moment is the gap between Division 1 and 2 so pronounced that it would be a bit of a disaster I don't think it's a complete disaster I think the top end of Division 2 and the rest of Division 1 is very very similar Um, but I think probably just from where Donegal are at at the moment they just don't need any more trouble or any more hassle you know, and Paddy Tiar, you know, who's a man who's wanted this Donegal job every single time has come up over the last decade and, and has just been falling short. And he's probably just got the Donegal job at a really poor time. Look, I think Monaghan have been very good. I, I was at uh, Clonus for Monaghan um, and Donegal. And I think there's a lot of pluses in Monaghan. I think O'Hanlon, um, you know, players like that coming back, um, looking at some of the other bits. It's whether... McManus can come in now all the time and do it. I think Monaghan have a lot of pluses. You know, Darren Hughes is back, which means Daisy Ward at six isn't as vulnerable as he had been because Daisy Ward has been driving out of six but leaving a gap. Darren Hughes has come in and he's filled that and Monaghan have looked a very, very different team with Darren Hughes in there. But I think it's Monaghan's ability off the bench. You know, Sean Jones has come on. He kicked one-two against Donegal in 12 minutes and he's been very good at him I've seen him so I think Monaghan have a lot of pluses you know they're very young they're new and if you take Jack McCarn who's struggled with injury a bit into the mix like I think regardless of whether Monaghan go down I think they'll have a major say in the championship as well because they are that sort of team building now and the longer that Finney Curry and Martin Curry has them I think they will get better as the season goes on Kim was making the point in, in preparation for this piece that uh, teams who've gone down in recent seasons have managed to blood a load of players in the league whereas Monaghan have, have had to keep their squad quite tight to maintain their Division 1 status and the trade-off is that you're still playing Division 1 football but you've got less fewer players that you've managed to blood through the league so the, um, he made the point that in 2021 Monaghan relegated Galway in the final day Joyce blooded Matthew Tierney Carl Sweeney Dylan McHugh and a few others the Dubs obviously got relegated again by Monaghan on the last day Dublin had Lee Gannon Robbie McDade Lorcan Adele who had all been given exposure I think um, Monaghan traditionally have used between 22 and 23 players in the league in this period where they've managed to stay up so it's a strategy and in the long run you have to wonder is there a trade-off between actually getting a broader deeper squad particularly now in the more condensed season so What's your what's your instinct about what the right course of action is? It's obviously horses for courses, but on balance, which is, do you think would be the best way? Yeah, well, I think it, it depends on where the manager's at. You know, if it's a manager's first year, it's very hard to blood players because he needs to hit the ground running because if he loses the confidence of the people around him, it's very hard to get that back. But if you look at Dublin this year, you know, they've had David O'Hanlon, you know, Dara Newcomb. Would if they'd have been in Division One, would those players have got as much time, you know, and would they have looked better last year? You know, Lee Gallon has come through and Dublin have created sort of a gap there. Derry this year have done similar. They've brought in sort of some young players off the bench, like Neil O'Donnell, you know, who's just out of minors who had played in the McKenna Cup and uh, from Ballinermy Young Club. So in Division One, they wouldn't have got those chances. And I think it's probably depends on where the trajectory of the management is. If they like Parik Joyce has a wee bit of credit in the, in the bank they can do that if it's a new manager like Vinnie Curry it's probably harder to, to bring new players in and, and Division 2 probably is a better place for that but for teams to win the big competitions really you need to be in Division 1 playing the better teams week in and week out just so you know what your strength and depth is like and I think it's very difficult to come in Division 2 and, and, and probably just push on into that top Gary done it last year and come very close ultimately fell a bit short but I think 
If you're in Division 1, you have a much better chance because you're playing the better opposition week in and week out. Just over 11,000 sell out of Port Talton and Navin this weekend, Conneth, for, for that Dublin Mead game. First time they've met in the league in Navin, I think, in 35 years. It's going to be some occasion, and, and Dublin can secure promotion back to Division 1 with a win. Um, from watching the dubs against Derry, are there areas in, in which they are, I don't want to use the word weaker, but certainly uh, more fallible, I guess, than they have been in recent years? Yeah, look, and I think they probably they have been vulnerable to the start of the league from their kickouts as well. It's something you didn't expect from Dublin. You know, I think against Derry, it was probably the best Dublin have been all through the league in that first half. You know, I thought they got their kickouts away under heavy presses at the time from Derry. Um, the second half, it malfunctioned a small piece. But look, I think it's going to be a great occasion. Mead have to show something. They started off the league under Colm O'Rourke. He mapped out what he wanted to do. He wanted to kick ball. He wanted to play long better flowing football but I think that has sort of fallen flat as teams have got a wee bit better um, like only Limerick have leaked more scores you know so like they have a problem at the back and only Kildare have scored less in them division so I think it's not all rosy Dublin will ask different questions Dublin would need to tighten up defensively a wee bit but I think the likes of McCarthy going back Merchant you know the introdu- introduction of Jack McCaffrey has just left Dublin just on a, a different level to where me they're at you know and I think if they were to get anything out of this game I think they would have to play to their very very maximum but look Park Talton it's a, it's a brilliant venue and I think it's probably going to be a massive occasion but I just don't see where me are going to get enough scores at and, and, and how they're going to stop Dublin because promotion is still where Desi Farr wants to get to and I think he'll probably start looking a lot closer to this championship team this week against Meath. Um, can we just go back to, to Derry for the last couple of minutes here, Connor? The the quality of Derry's defence is is the best in the league at the moment, um, just in, in terms of the output. Uh, and obviously, everybody's going to point to the fact, oh, they're, they're just defending in numbers. But that's not the case. It's not just defending in numbers. There's a strategy behind it. It's obviously brilliantly well coached. Everybody understands their role. Why are they better at it at the moment than everybody else? Yeah, I think, firstly, I think they brilliantly coached at it. Um, and if you look at the Dublin game, Derry had played a very similar style right the way through. But, you know, when you had players that can kick points from range, it's a wee bit harder. I think Derry's willingness to work off the ball has probably set them aside from, right from the McKenna Cup when they played Tyrone, they run them off the park with willingness to work. And Brenton Rogers now, who's released into the middle, when he charges forward, he knows he can do that with a certain amount of confidence because Paul Cassidy is working back for him. You know, um, Lachlan Murray came off the bench the last day and he kicked a great point. And if you followed, if you look at his point again and you follow it back, he put in a tackle right from the kick out on his own 20 metre line. You know, and, and that's stuff that, yes, it's coachable, but the desire for players to do that because they know this is what Rory Gallagher values. And kicking the point won't get you on that dairy team, but the work rate off the ball will. And if you can add the value to the other end, um, it'll be massive. And I think Derry have probably just got it right. They've also played a very consistent team. The Derry team that's playing in the league now is not dissimilar to they played in the first round of the McKenna Cup. And, and because of this shortened season, I don't think you need to sort of mix and match. So Derry's playing the same 17, 18 players all the way through the league. And, and while other teams are experimenting, Derry's not. Derry have been very, very consistent in terms of what they want to do. You know, and, and Chrissy McKeague and you know, once Conor Glass come back and, and Ethan Doherty, you know, it just added serious, serious value to what they were trying to do and, and the pace and power, which is just what their game's built on. When those players come back, I think it just gives Derry a massive, massive boost. 
because I've definitely heard the argument on, on the football pod and elsewhere that they're just a little bit short of the scoring power that they're going to need to be able to win in All-Ireland but the game against Galway last year was really their first big opportunity in Croke Park to announce themselves and it looks like they just got matchups wrong but again to go back to our, our pre-show chat that's what um, Keane Johnson's making the point that actually if they got the matchups right then that game's a totally different game and we're not talking about a side who were overawed by the occasion or who, you know, a goalkeeping howler cost them. It's like, it's it's nip and tuck against a Galway side who then push Kerry all the way in the All-Ireland final. So they're actually much closer, I think the argument is, that they're much closer to being genuine All-Ireland contenders than they're being given credit for at the moment. Yeah, look, I think so. You know, Derry were 4 up on that game and they were cruising. They kicked a couple of really poor wides and taken a, a few bad options. And then the sort of five or ten minutes before halftime cost them. So instead of going in at halftime three or four points up, with the controversial score from Hawkeye, they suddenly found themselves in a difficult position mentally to cope. They hadn't been in Crook Park that often at the very top end when they played in Division 2 and 3 finals. It hadn't been in Division 1. And I think where Derry are at now, the Dublin game was massive in Celtic Park. And if they can not slip up against Clare, they're looking at another game against the Dubs in Crook Park. And that is where this Derry team are going to learn at the very top end. And there may be another lesson somewhere down the line to be learned, maybe in a league final. But I think all of the stuff that Derry are doing now is building towards a bigger day and a better day. And I think Crook Park is where this team needs to be. Yes, you're right. Probably when the game was going away from them, they didn't have the strength and depth coming off the bench. But I think that has improved. You know, I think Matthew Downey, you know, who has been caught with injuries, hasn't really played as much this year. I think he's a player that to watch out for. Lachlan Murray's came off the bench. Ushie McWilliams came off the bench. He kicks the last day. So I think the belief that those players have now with another season, and especially beating Dublin, because it was the real statement when I know winning Ulster was massive, but going on a Dublin team that needed to win that game as well and beating them in a game they both wanted to win, I think that'll do Derry the world of good and, and probably... Going into the break week with that win was massive as well because Derry were able to maybe take their foot of the gas a wee bit, relax, whereas Dublin have had to sort of go hell for leather because they can't really afford to slip up against me or else, you know, because Cork's coming strong behind them. Yeah. And, you know, if Derry happened to win on Sunday, they probably travelled to Cork with a weakened team. So Dublin want to get it done this week. And I think probably the break week is something they've probably had to work a wee bit harder than some of the teams uh, like Mio and Derry and, and maybe Leash and, and Cavan and the other divisions that top the group Connacht at the other end of Division 2 briefly uh, like Jerry's been crying into his cornflakes here every morning thinking about the, the thought of Kildare in, in the Talton Cup um, like that's a huge game 3.45 on Sunday against Limerick uh, down there I think it is in Limerick as well Look, bit of turmoil in, in Limerick football this week with Ray Dempsey's departure, a bit of player unrest. Mark Fitzgerald, who was part of his backroom team, a Kerry man, has come in to take over for the rest of the year. Like, this game is is, is huge for Kildare and their year ahead, essentially. Yeah, look, it's massive. And I suppose a lot's been made of how poor Kildare have been at the back. You know, how poor they've been up front and having not scored goals. And when you've likes of Neil Flynn and, and Derek Kerwin and, and, and Paul Criven and players like that, you wonder just what's going wrong. You know, like, they got the management team they wanted and the excitement that, that that followed that but they have really fallen flat um, and they were lucky enough to get the win I think that time against Clare so it, they could have been in a worse position um, but it's a must win game and it doesn't even guarantee them anything other than the loser well if they lose this game they're gone Limerick's gone anyway um, 
and they have put themselves under a huge pressure. You know, I, I genuinely don't like hearing of players' votes and, and things like that because they have put themselves under pressure. Um, obviously, Mark Fitzgerald was there. He knows the ins and outs of it, so he's probably in a good enough place. But, you know, after last year and, and, and Billy Lee and, and the journey they've been on the last two or three years, transition has probably been hard for everybody. And, you know, and Ray Dempsey been so close to getting uh, the Mio job. You know, you just wonder what has went on in there. But look, this is massive. Kildare probably do need to get their house in order defensively straight away because they have forwards and you think those forwards are eventually going to click and they're going to score because good players, the class will always rise to the top but form is something they really stuck for and the fact that the championship is leading so quickly out of this, if you go into that in bad form, I just don't see how you get out of it because you don't have three or four weeks like you would have had previously to play a challenge match or two and get yourself up and running. So the end of league form will be where a team's at for championship and it's just hard to see Kildare getting themselves out of this trouble at this stage but the one thing you have when you're scoring forward you always have a chance and, and, and Flynn has been injured a wee bit and, and Woodgate has been missing so if they could get those players back I think they stand a very good chance but they're in a very difficult position and, and Limerick are coming new managers whether it be Premier League or always get a bounce and if Limerick can get a bounce it's going to put Kildare in a very precarious position and, and again and, and not to be disrespectful to the Talton Cup because I know a lot of the chat is around that teams do want to be. Like, I think the Talton Cup has been brilliant and I think the rhetoric around teams not wanting to be there, you are where you are based on the form you're in and if you find yourself in that position, you have to make the best of that situation for me. Did you have any views, Conneth, on the, the, the uh, diving scourge that seems to have reared its ugly head in, in Gaelic games of, of, of late? Like, we, we saw incidents with uh, Conor Cox of Roscommon and, and Galway's Sean Kelly. Uh, the last day out, I think, where players are going down very easily. I know Eamon Fitzmaurice was making the point that maybe referees need to start dishing out cards for, for players that are diving. Like you're involved at club level, I don't know if it's, if it's a massive issue there as well, but how do you see this being fixed? Look, I think it's a massive level at every bit of football and and probably when you look at things that happened in, at senior inter-county level, it's followed by younger players and it's taken into the club game. I think there's always been people living on the edge, players lived on the edge, you know, I don't know myself, you get a bit of contact from behind, you go down because you, you want the free. But I think that's slightly different from being pushed in the chest and holding your face or, or being hit on the shoulder and go down holding your head. I think that has to be stamped out because the stakes are too high now for teams and referees need help because in normal time, a lot of these incidents do look like genuine hits or assaults or call them what you want. But when you slow them down, you there's nothing in them. So it's very, very hard for referees, linesmen and umpires at the pace the game's played in now, to probably get it right all the time. But I think it has to be stamped out. And the thing is, what's going, what you're probably going to see this weekend with the talk about it is one or two players are going to get cards for simulation or diving. And that may go a wee bit towards them and that. But look, I think it's a problem that's been in the game forever. You know, there's always been a player getting a heavy hit. And if he thinks it's advantageous to his team, he's going to lay down that wee bit extra. And in many cases, if he didn't do it, you could probably be castigated because the opposition have been down to 14 men. So, look, I think this weekend it'll probably stamp out a wee bit. I think it's a problem, but I don't think it's a massive issue in the way it's been portrayed. I think players have always played to the edge and where there's a wee advantage to be had, players will take it. Conor, great stuff. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks a million, man. All right, thanks, Ian. See you. See Conor Gilligan giving his thoughts there this morning um, on a range of topics. Uh, Derry, oh, genuine all-around contenders. Yeah. I fancy them big time. Like uh, it's not easy to defend your an Ulster title, but uh, I, I can't see past Derry this year. Um, and they also don't need to, obviously. Do you know? No, if, that's if, true. Yeah. No matter what happens in Ulster, it, it 
it's largely irrelevant when it comes to their All Ireland credentials. I think they were so disappointing in the in the All Ireland semi final last year against Galway. I thought, but uh, Galway showed up on the day. I just that experience will stand to them. Um, yeah, I, I, Jesus, I'm going to be watching Division Two very, very closely this weekend. The relegation battle that Kildare Limerick match is going to be. All, all right, Shane. Don't don't <laughs> shut up. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.